Welcome everyone to Faces and Feels episode 35. Uh, it has been a great start to 2021. I've been uh, off the uh, episodes for a little bit, just taking a break, getting back into everything, uh, worked all through Christmas um, and all that kind of stuff. So I was waiting for Wrestle Kingdom to happen, to jump back in. I've been working on a couple of other things for the podcast that will come out in coming weeks, uh, which is pretty exciting. Uh, but yeah, I'm feeling like I'm ready to jump back into it. And what a way to get started. Uh, my personal first big event of the year that I was most excited about was Wrestle Kingdom. Um, and man, it, it did not disappoint. Um, well, maybe New Year's Dash did a little bit, but that's just more due to our own expectations, right? Um, Wrestle Kingdom... Uh, nights one and two were a great time for us. So I'll set the stage a little bit before uh, I run down, you know, through through the matches and, and stuff. But basically we, like, had COVID not been around, we would have been in the Tokyo Dome. We've uh, been to Japan the last five years in a row and been to Wrestle Kingdom the last three. So I have no doubt in my mind that if COVID-19 wasn't a thing, we would be there. I still feel very blessed. Uh, we are in Perth, Western Australia. We are not sick. Uh, there's not really need for the lockdown procedures that a lot of other people uh, are dealing with. So I'm happy to live in our little bubble, but there's still a morning for, you know, the the freedoms and stuff that you get to have when the world isn't like this. So I would have loved to be in Japan. It's our favourite place in the world. I would have loved to be here for these moments, uh, especially with how good they were. Um, but what can you do? So what we did was we brought Japan to us and we made it a special day. Um, we all finished work early. Um, we made sure we were home. I think, I think I finished at three. It was going to start four o'clock uh, WA time. Got home, had the air conditioning pumping cold, uh, as cold as we could get it. We had uh, Suntory Strong Zeros chilling in the fridge uh, along with a few beers, we jumped into our new Japan team tracksuits. Uh, we, uh, my friend Mo, who does like a lot of, she does all the art for my podcast. Uh, she is somebody who is very creative, very artistic, uh, and she made us like Wrestle Kingdom tickets, uh, which is really funny. I think I already put that up on Instagram. If I didn't, I would. So it was like a copy of the ticket, but it had our, it was all in Japanese as well, except for our names, had our seat on the couch, you know, could tear off the stub. We're starting the event. And we just turned it into like a, a big kind of event for ourselves. You know, we're like, look, if we can't be there, we're going to bring it to us. And, and that's what we did. And we had like an awesome time you know one th uh, tip that we learnt through going to Wrestle Kingdoms where you can bring in alcohol just in a bag and stuff like that yeah. for any of you uh, gaijin people who are going to be going and don't know the rules it's like this because we learned it the hard way a year or so ago so you can carry alcohol into the Tokyo Dome no problem at all they don't worry about it right but they do not want you taking all of your drinks down onto the floor with you. So what they ask is there's kind of like a coat check where you can coat check your alcohol. Now, when we first did this, we did not understand how it worked. And they're like, yes, uh, leave alcohol here kind of thing. And we're like, oh, we want it all. And we thought it was kind of, they were, and they were basically like pouring drinks into cups. And so at the time we're like, okay, we're not allowed to take the cans in 
we can only take them all in cups. And so we're like, yes, all. And they're like, all? And we're like, yeah. So <laughs> all our strong zeros, I think it was four each in those big tall boys, uh, poured into big tall cups, and then we just took them to our seats. Um, we were on the floor. Uh, we were like in A block and, you know, maybe about five rows from the front, four or five rows from the front. It was very good seats. Um and we've just got them there. And when you've just got loose drinks and there's people walking around and getting up and going to the toilets, it made us very nervous. We didn't want our drinks to get uh, knocked over and stuff. So we ended up drinking them very quickly. And that was a mistake because that particular Wrestle Kingdom is very blurry to me. I specifically remember, uh, uh, I think the match was Osprey versus uh, Ibushi. Um so it would have been, yeah, not last year's, the year before uh, for, like, the Never title or something like that. The one where Osprey like, put him out uh, with the hidden blade. Um, and I remember that sort of being the last match I really remember clearly from being there. <laughs> so got got quite lit, um, and, yeah, it was, it was a pretty brutal day. What we then found out the next year, I don't know if we were more aware or we'd read forums or we were just paying attention to what was going on, uh, we found out you can actually check the drinks. They've got big eskies there. Maybe they even had it laid out better. I don't know. But but basically, they check them to your tickets kind of thing. Um, they can just pour you one drink now so you can space yourself and then you can come up at any point and they've got your drinks just chilling there on ice up in the lobby. Isn't that the best service of all time? I wish we understood it first, <laughs> the first time. Uh, and so And it went very, very well for us the second time. So... If you go to the Tokyo Dome, that's what you can do and have a great time. There's lots of family marts around the area. There's one right uh, next to the Tokyo Dome and it's got all the um, uh, all, all the like New Japan stuff all over the walls and, and things like that. It's really cool. Um, so jumping into the card real quick, we we were really set to have like a, quite a great time with this. Uh, by the time we got it on, we had kind of misunderstood the timing a little bit. Um, just in that it had like doors at three, bell at four, something like that, right? Uh, and so we were not really stressing about doors because we didn't realise that would then be televised, but it was. They put the the New Japan Rambo on. So we missed a little bit of the start of that, um, but we did... Um, but we did catch like, you know, maybe halfway through it, like from the middle. And it was a good little match and a good one to get started because even though not everybody is on the card, you get to see all your favourites and have some fun interactions. And then that obviously sets up the KOPW four-way for the next night. So we knew what was going on there. Happy ordering food, getting sorted and all that kind of stuff, which is what you want from an opening match. Uh, then it was into... Uh, the best of the Super Juniors 27 winner versus the Super J Cup 2020 winner. So Hiromu Takahashi versus El Fantasmo. This was a, a great match for us. Uh, historically, haven't really been that high on El Fantasmo. Um, he's got all the talent in the world, but sometimes his heel shtick and everything like that would, would grind on us and, and things like that. Um, but... I really, really enjoyed this. We did warm to him a little bit in the New Beginning Road 2 shows last year. So we were, when we were in Japan after 
the the Tokyo Dome. We tried and see whatever kind of shows were around, and we were there for a month, so we caught a few in some you know backwater towns and stuff. And him and Ishimori were making us laugh because they were doing the junior tag thing at the time, and they were doing all those like elaborate moonsault backflips into back rake or spin around, do a thing, jump over the rope, back rake, like just you know dumb heel stuff, and and it made us laugh. And so we were. We're getting a bit more into him at that point, but in this this one, what it created was a moment that we like to call an Amy one eighty. So my wife can be uh, very black and white on who she likes and who she does not like. And if you get an Amy one eighty, she's then about you, and it's very hard to like lose her support. And so at the moment, El Fantasma is one of her favourites after this match, and I think rightly so. Like in the past, he had played around with like the idea of sort of doing past Bullet Club leaders finishes and all those kind of things. But I don't know, it never seemed to really fit right or or just seemed a bit obnoxious for who he was. But in this, it felt like the stakes were really there and it felt like a guy who was trying to step up in Bullet Club, uh, trying to push through and trying to pull whatever tricks he can come out of the bag to to raise his place within the company. And I, I think he did a great job. And it was really a display of him. Hiromu, I get, like, I mean, he looked great in the match, but he spent most of it selling. And even when he won, he only narrowly won. Like, it was like a roll-up win. So I I think it was a, a real good display of El Fantasma, who's been away for a long time, made him look a lot better, uh, and then also got Hiromu to where he needed to be for the next night, which was going to be his kind of turn to shine. So um, we really enjoyed that match. Uh, the... Second match of the night was the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Champion match between uh, Dangerous Techers, Tai Chi and Zack Sabre Jr. and the Gorillas of Destiny, Tama Tonga and Tama Loa. Still having a really hard time with Tama's new look. Um, I like the beard. I like the long hair. I miss the face paint. Um, and so, yeah, occasionally I, I look at him, I'm like, who's that? Like, I just lose him. It'll it'll settle in, but, yeah, it's kind of weird for me. Um, one of the MV... Like, the MVPs for me in this match were not really the guys that I watch these teams for. So normally I'm, I really like Tai Chi and normally I'm, I, I had considered Tama to be sort of like the better of the two GOD members. But, but this one, man, like I felt like Zach's hot tag, but I mean, this was built around like Tai Chi getting beaten down for ages. When Zach came in like a rocket, he absolutely was killing everybody. There's this one point where he, he comes, bounces off the ropes and is charging through and I think it was Lower jumps and he just takes out his legs in midair. It was absolutely savage. And Lower just, he's improved so much for me, man. Like he becoming a real powerhouse, like way better offense, even tag-wise, but from Gorillas of Destiny. I really think they turned it out. It obviously ended with the kind of same cheating bullshit that it, they're kind of known for, but... I don't think that hurt the match. Like, I feel like it It feels like the start of a story, not like the blow-off of a feud, you know? It's not like they are the victorious ones and, and dangerous techers are cooked. It feels like they got cheated out of it and there's more to be told there. So, And I could keep watching that match. I thought it was really good. And so I think they've got more they can achieve for sure. Um, after that was the third match. Um which was the IWGP US Heavyweight Right to Challenge contract, uh, Kenta versus Satoshi Kojima. Um, 
this this was I I'd kind of worked myself up into thinking that this would be really good. Uh, I I was thinking it would be like a sleeper match. I like Kojima. He's been a world champion before um, in New Japan, in Noah, wherever. Kenta's also been in very big spots before. And I thought they they would really like take this opportunity to kind of work on stealing the show or at least try to. Um, I'm a bit hot and cold with Kenta. I really like his personality. I really like his antics. I just haven't quite liked his matches. And it was a bit like this too. I didn't hate it, but it wasn't like groundbreaking by any means. Um, obviously, they were thrown into this kind of last minute with Juice's injury. It was going to be Juice and Kenta. Um, but yeah, I, I, I mean, it was fine. Uh, nothing really to write home about. I will get, I will be transparent and say that I. it's now obviously been some time what is it? It's like the 13th now. It's been some time since I watched these matches. Um, this morning I went back and watched the three kind of main end matches and did not watch these guys again, uh, just because I didn't feel like there was too much for me to talk about. Um, but yeah, so it was what it was and what we're really waiting for with the US heavyweight you know, challenge contract that Kent has got is John Moxley. So it's all building up to that. And you'd have to think Kent is going to win, but... I don't really care if he does. Um, I'd be more interested in... Man, to be honest, I would have been more interested in Kojima one. <laughs> I think that would have been cool as fuck. But yeah, anyway. Um, okay, so the next match was the special singles match between Hiroshi Tanahashi, my girlfriend, versus the great Okan. Um, this was cool, man. Like This was a nice, solid rivalry it had great promo packages leading up to it and just like made me hyped for Wrestle Kingdom when none of the other stuff did yet, you know? Um, Okan's entry is sort of pretty weird. And I actually did some research on that because I was like, he's got to be, it's, it's got to be riffing on something, right? Like it, it must be some kind of uh, Japanese pop reference or something that I didn't understand. And I found, I found this thing on Reddit that actually, um, that actually laid it out, it was... Hang on. Of course, I closed it. There you go. So it's this movie, this old Kung Fu series movie is called Mr. Vampire. Um, if you look up the picture, maybe I'll put it on the on the Insta, actually. Um, somebody on Reddit put it up, and apparently the movie, I think in Japanese, is called Kinoshi or Kinoshi. Uh it's uh, basically like a hopping zombie vampire, and it has the the uh, apparently the idea is the the paper over the face um, is there to keep the reanimated corpse compliant and obedient, but if it re- it's removed, it goes wild. So he's like a, a zombie Genghis Khan type character, and when he comes to the ring, he's this you know animated you know zombie vampire. And then when he tears away that face paint, and in this case it had half of Tanahashi uh, that he tore off at the top of the ring, and then when he got to the bottom, he tore off the the other part that was his full mask. Uh, he then becomes like the stoic ring general, Great Okan. Um, and it's really cool. At first I kind of thought it was weird, but it's actually grown on me. And now I know that history of that like a little bit more. 
uh, I'm into that. It was a great, solid match. Uh, Okan being super dominant and really just the the tale of Tanahashi overcoming him and doing so in a year where things have not gone his way. All he's done all year is put over talent after talent after talent. Um, I think that was his first win since the G1 in October when he beat um, Yoshihashi. And then it's basically been like losses since then. So he finished out the year on a high. He um, resists the use uh, of the chair that uh, Okan introduced. He throws it away. He's too heroic for that. He drops an absolutely picture-perfect high-fly flow onto Okan's back, which he sold like it was completely broken. Then he rolls back up there again. And, you know, with all these, it's always very nerve-wracking. We're thinking, man, Okan's like the new hot dude. Surely it's just Tanahashi losing again, right? But no, nah, he nails it absolutely perfectly. One, two, three. Tanahashi wins the year on a high. I couldn't be prouder uh, and absolutely loved it. We jumped off the couch screaming. To be honest, at Wrestle Kingdom, it can be pretty rough uh, in previous years. It's like all your favourites always seem to lose. And this was feeling like, oh, man, they gave it to us. What? What's happening? This is amazing. And we're screaming in the house, all three of us going wild. Uh, and it put us in a very good mood. We were so stoked that he won. And it doesn't hurt like Okan one bit, like not even a single bit. He looked like an absolute star. It's his first time in the Dome and he handled it like an absolute pro. It looked like a veteran out there, you know. He'd been doing this gimmick for a couple of years in Rev Pro, I think, and it shows that he knows what he's doing with it. And, yeah, he's just really tidy, and I can really see him going places for sure. Um, uh, after that, uh, we get uh, a great video package before the entrance of Osprey. It's him and B sitting on a couch in kind of a desolate-looking room. I'm not sure why. They've got about 20 TVs uh, that automatically turn on and just start mocking him with, uh, with images of Okada beating him, but he gets real mad about it. Uh, he picks up a baseball bat and smashes them. Kind of wish he didn't use a baseball bat. I feel like Sting and Jericho and everybody uses baseball bats. He's doing this Commonwealth Kingpin thing. Like, why not like have a cane or something? That would be cool. Like uh, something that kind of rings back to to that. Or even like you don't even need a weapon. You're like this English guy. You're rough and tumble as well as like posh. Maybe you roll up your sleeves and you just kick it in like you're kicking in someone's head at a football game riot you know um but anyway that's nitpicking it was really cool he came out looking like a huge star their outfits look amazing though we did kind of joke that the colors were a little bit like leftover christmas wrapping paper they were like we've got all this stuff we need to use it but uh, but that's just us being mean it um yeah it, they, they look absolutely huge um i think b has been like a really good addition to him as well, like in changing to this character. And I noticed throughout the match consistently, she was like a really uh, good heel presence. Like not grabbing Okada and getting physically involved, but like dressing him down as he's trying to get back in the ring the way a girlfriend would dress down someone that's been rude or, you know, laid hands on her boyfriend or something like that, you know, and constantly like, cheering Will on, like, get up or watch out, he's coming and blah, 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 stay on him and that kind of stuff. And I think that's what you want from, like, a, a manager or a valet on the outside. Um, there was 
just uh, some notes that I wrote, like there was one really great bump on the outside where they're, they're messing around, they're getting smashed into the rails in front of like Kevin Kelly. Um, Osprey goes to jump up on it to do like a flying Oz cutter. Uh, Okada dodges him. He runs back. They run at each other. He hits him with like a perfect double drop kick and like, <laughs> like Osprey just flies like backwards over his head and just looks like he's been hit by a truck. Uh, there was also like a really cool spot where, again, on the railings where they he ends up putting Okada through like one of the, the ring announcers' tables like on the side. So he's standing on the tables. Okada's on the ground and he picks him up and then goes to his side and drops him down on this thin table right next to the railing. The margin for error was really, really small. Uh, but the TV, uh, like the table broke perfectly. It just crumpled and they looked cooked and B's there checking on him and then Red Shoes is trying to go back to the ring because he needs to go start the count to count them out and Osprey's like grabbing his leg to slow him down to give himself more time to get his shit together. Um, but then he picks up um, Okada and drags him in because he wants to prove a point. Like he's, he's not like a, a total shit heel. He just feels like he... He wants to prove that he's better, you know. So I did like that. Um, and then uh, there's another part later where he they're almost getting counted out again. Okada runs in first. Um, Osprey gets to the thing just, to, just as it's about to be the, you know, 18, 19 count and puts an arm in. And then just Okada grabs him and snatches him up into a short arm clothesline. Rainmaker-esque. And... Uh, and it was awesome. He just took advantage and just whipped him into it, which was really cool. Um, there's a, there's more interchanges, and then uh, Osprey pulls a rainmaker. He does like the full gloating stance, picks him up, and does it. And now at this point, we haven't seen Okada do the rainmaker in a year. The last time he did it was beating Kodo Bushi in the dome a year ago. Uh, and it's almost like from that point that Okada's like, "All right, motherfucker, you want to see a rainmaker?" Uh, great ending sequence, and then when he hits it for real, we just shot up out of, off the couches again. It was like, oh, this is done. He's, it's the first one, and it was just like one, two, three. And that money clip can get the fuck out of here because that's still like the best finisher <laughs> in New Japan, and it just like knocked him out cold. It was absolutely awesome. And so uh, what great long-term storytelling, and as well as we're there going – wow, they gave us everything we wanted. Uh, it's been two matches. Uh, well, I mean, the whole card so far has been amazing, but we're euphoric at this stage. We're like, oh, we can't believe they're giving us everything we could ever want. Um, which then leads into the sixth match of the night, the IWGP heavyweight and IWGP intercontinental double championship match. Tetsuya Naito versus Kota Ibushi. Um they enter looking like stars. Abushi's just like there in the center of the stage and comes down. Uh, Naito comes from like the very top stairs, carrying the belts, looking awesome. Um, the it just builds very like aggressively and steadily, and like Naito's locking and Holsby's really vicious about them. Um, and then it, there was even like a brief slip over outside where um, Ibushi was backing up on the ramp and slipped over and then Naito just like attacks, you know, takes advantage of that of that and keeps it all going. And it was uh, 
Yeah, and it it was it was like a really good use of something that was it looked pretty real to me, but he but he took advantage of it and that kind of played into his character and stuff. Um, I feel like it really started to kick into gear when uh, Kotobushi Hurricane Rhined uh, Naito to the outside, so from the apron to the ground, and it was huge and absolutely crazy. Um, at one point, Ibushi goes for the throwback Phoenix Splash to his old days, which is also like a super nice flashback to the Dome a couple of years ago, three years ago, when uh, Naito did the same thing when versing Okada. He went to do his Stardust, uh, Stardust Press. That's a mouthful, isn't it? Um, misses it, and in the end, it causes him to lose. So Ibushi goes for the Phoenix Splash, misses it, Naito hits him with the Destino, but he doesn't, like, like he kicks out. It, it doesn't finish him. Um, Ibushi, like, uh, then takes a couple more of those. There's back and forwards between them. But really, uh, it, it comes to a hard end when uh, he can't, he hits him with the Kamigoye, but it doesn't beat him. Uh, he So Ibushi pulls down the knee pad and he's going to go for it back and forth into changes. Naito manages to get him for another Destino, but Ibushi stops him midway, converts it into a one-armed V-trigger, picks him up, hits him with the real Kamigoye, and it's one, two, three, and he's he's done it. The boy from Kagoshima has completed his lifelong journey and won both titles. It's the story arc that began a year ago um, at the Dome when Ibushi lost, uh, all through the G1, uh, winning the G1, then losing the briefcase to Jay, and then coming full circle to win this moment was really cool. Um, it's a great moment where, so after he pins Naito, he doesn't even like know his one. Like Reggie's like three three, and you kind of see him, and he's kind of looking at him like blank face, and then his eyes close, and you're like, oh, he's out, he's unconscious. Uh, he wakes up, and he's sort of like looking around. Um, and he's checking the mat, and he's trying to figure out what's going on, and then he turns and he sees Naito's down, and he, he sort of scrambles over him and starts to like half pick up the leg, like I'm going to pin him and win, right? And then Reggie's like, no, 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 you win. And there's this look on his face, this like boyish, like, what? Like, I've done it. And then when he realizes, the the emotions were just like, it was so well done, man. Like the 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 acting and the the attention to detail in these moments were just so well done. So he gets up, Red Shoes has got the belts and goes to give it to him. Naito pushes him back and grabs the belts himself. And you're like, oh, is this like he's going to try and keep them or he's going to do something dastardly or whatever. But Naito walks over to him and they're kind of like looking at each other and taking steps toward each other. Then he holds up the belts and give it to him. Abushi collapses into him and leans against Naito. And then Naito grabs his arm and holds it up. And it was a pretty emotional moment and we were just like blown away. It was a case of I'm not crying, you're crying. Um, and man, the, they just do it so well. Like these big moments, it felt like the best Wrestle Kingdom we'd ever seen. The seats were comfier than they have been in the past, but I didn't miss being there in Japan. Um, but it's just really cool. Like you see guys um, like Okada loses to... Tanahashi back in the day and then his full arc back to the dome you see Naito lose to Okada then his full 
arc that took like two years, then back to the dome. Then Ibushi last year loses loses everything, comes back through, and then I think I think now when I talk about uh, tomorrow night, that's the arc we're going to see um, starting off uh, again. So, but I will cover that on my next instalment. I'm just going to do night one for now, and then I'll do another rundown of night two. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Just a quick one today. Um, stay tuned to the feed because I've got a lot of uh, fun interviews coming up. Uh, I've got more coverage of all sorts of random stuff. So, Wrestle Kingdom uh, night two after this, I'm going to. Uh, be doing more stuff on ICW No Holds Barred. I recently watched my first uh, All Japan pay-per-view. I am about to watch at some point. There's a Noah match there that I really want to watch, and I'd like to do a review on that because apparently it's very interesting. So, yeah, uh, quite a few things to talk about, um, but that will all be covered down the road. Thank you, everybody, for listening. The downloads are really getting up there now and it's it's really overwhelming in only starting this in September and I'm now sitting here at the 13th of January and, I, yeah, I'm just really happy with the, the amount of listens that we seem to be getting. So very happy. Uh, thank you, everybody, for your time. Uh, check us out on social media at FacesFeelsCast on Twitter and Instagram or send me an email. If you want to be interviewed, if you have suggestions of topics, if you have any questions, uh, just hit me back at facesandfeels at gmail.com. Thank you so much. And until next time, it's all about peace, love, and pro wrestling. Peace out.